Awesome. Hey, it's so great to be um, back in the, in the church here in, in Maribor again tonight. We were away last uh, Sunday. Uh, I, I hear Simon did an amazing job and um, did a great job of um, preaching our, um, about Easter, <laughs> the message he didn't get to do the week before, uh, which was great. But we've been away. Um, and this is a bit of an ad lib tonight. So a bit of an ad lib sort of message tonight. So uh, I don't really even know where God's going to take us, but I know he's going to take us somewhere great. And uh, we've been away on conference. So if you're wondering who went away on conference, it was um, myself and Amanda and uh, um, Chris and Glennis and um, um, uh, Trish and Simon and Jess and Mark and Cassie and Aliana and Bob and Charlene and uh, Ian, and I think that was about it, and Brittany was with us, and, uh, and James was online with us all week, uh, which was really, really awesome. So we had a, a lovely time just um, uh, sharing together, going to conference, enjoying hearing what was um, spoken about at conference. And, you know, um, the theme of the conference was Becoming. And I love that theme because, you know, we are all becoming something. We're not there yet. We are becoming something. And uh, as a church, we are just becoming. We are just growing into who God wants us to be. Um, we are the hands and feet of Jesus here in Maryborough. And we want to become um, the servants of the Most High God here in this community. And uh, there were so many awesome things that uh, were spoken about at the conference and I cannot share them all because um, there is uh, so much to say. But I'm going to ask a few people to come up tonight and just share their thoughts about conference and uh, little bits and pieces about um, what God spoke to them about. So, um, and they're going to get three or, three or four minutes after that. The gong will go off. And um, so I know all of them are um, great speakers and could speak all night like me. So gong me at four minutes as well. And uh, but <laughs> maybe you have to put a timer up, James, for us. So, um, but I'm going to ask Mark to come up and share some of his thoughts about conference. Let's hear it from Mark. Awesome. Hello. Wow, that's loud. Yeah. Um, hey, it's so good to be back with you. Um, I've missed being with you guys for the last few weeks. Um, but what I wanted to share tonight was um, one of the sessions in the first morning was about innovation. Um, so, as Amanda was saying before, A2A has these six cultural distinctives, and one of them is innovative leadership. And so, this session was just about like pushing the limits of what you think is possible, or, or what you think is, is something that God can do. Um, and the, the speaker shared a few stories from the Bible of where God started to innovate. You know, there was the story of, of Joshua. And, and an innovation that he had was that there was an ambush. So before that time, the, the armies used to stand up here and stand up here, and, and then they'd just fight, right? Whereas Joshua's like, no, nah, you know, that doesn't work. So I'm going to have, you know, my army ready to go, but I'm going to send, like, you know, a bunch of people out into the bushes, and they're going to hide. Like, we all know what an ambush is, right? And... And he's like, all right, so essentially all you guys have to do is wait until they've come right at us and we're going to run away. And so everything that they knew before is that when the army ran away, you just chase them because that's what you do. That's how you get your slaves. That's how you do all that sort of stuff. 
And so they would do that. And so Josh was like, as soon as we start running, you're going to follow us and then you're going to ambush them from behind. And then they, they routed the enemy because of this innovation. And so we as people of God, we should be innovating in our world. And as our church, we should be innovating. And I love our church because we have innovated. Like, if you look behind us, there's, there's a cafe that is operating from behind us. Not many churches can say that they have a business sitting behind them and we've, you know, displaced so many things in our building because we want to innovate and we want to meet the community in our building, right? And I loved the last part of what they spoke about in this session. So yes, I was talking about innovation, but then they said, innovation, we, we as the people of God innovate because God innovates us daily. And, and this really challenged me because, if I'm honest, I've sort of let my, you know, time with God slip. I've just, I mean, I've got a new baby and I've started a new school and there's all these things that are going on in my world, but I've let my time with God slip. And I'm really passionate about innovation. I love to be creative. But if I don't let God be creative and innovative in my life, then I'm not going to be able to be innovative and creative in my community. So my challenge for you guys tonight is allow God to innovate your heart so that we can innovate our community. Amen. Wow, that's awesome, Mark. That is really uh, good stuff. And, you know, um, in that innovative session, talking about that, you know, we serve a creator who is creative. And, um, you know, we, we, there's all these ideas. Sometimes we sit back and we go, oh, woe is me. I don't know how God's going to do this. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do. And all we need to do is go to Creator God and ask for a creative solution because he's the king of innovation. And um, I don't know how many stories we heard um, while we were away at conference or even among our own people of how, you know, we, all we have to do is pray to God about the things that are going on in our world. And he's, he's got a creative solution for every single one of them. And uh, he's going to work out everything that we need worked out. And I'm just excited about how much more we can innovate and how much more we can do as a church um, to serve our community. Charlene, come on up. Some of you may not know Charlene and Bob, um, but Charlene and Bob have been in our church for about nine months now, and, um, and they've moved up here, and, and they're amazing people, and they came away at a conference, and I'm so thankful that they're here tonight. So, thanks, Charlene. So, um, hi, everyone. Um, so, I was really refreshed um, through conference. Um, A2A is a new experience for me. It's my first time there. Um, I have been involved in church life for a really long time and I've come out of um, some other denominations and I just have to say um, just off the get-go that I've just had the most amazing time and I wouldn't have had it any other way and I want to thank you Pastor Graham and Pastor Amanda it was just fantastic um, so I was refreshed um, and I've recalled the importance I've re-recalled <laughs> I re-recalled um, the importance of leading self um, and others well and doing life relationally with others from a place of humility, particularly when people are in struggle. Um, so um, the leading self, others and well, um, pastors Andrew and Karel Ramucci, husband and wife team, um, spoke on that. Um, some uh, healthy 
healthy leadership was was the um, yeah was the subject, and then they they spoke about leading ourselves well. And then um, Rick Painter, Pastor Rick Painter, um, spoke about humility and particularly serving people humbly um, when they're in crisis, in particular. Um, now I've got a degree in social sciences, and one of my my majors is counselling, and I use self and soul care as as one of my models and methodology in in practice. But and basically what that means is that we lead self um, well by looking after our well-being and and when life happens in particular. Um, and it was just such a great reminder, and which is why I'm sharing around this area. Um, we are created, body, soul, and spirit. So if we think about body, that's us physically. We're here, we're, oh, you know, and we've got a body, and we've got hands and feet, and, and that's us physically. Our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions, and our spirit um, gives us the ability to connect with God and others relationally. So we are body, soul, and spirit. And the question for me that kind of was posed and came through, though it wasn't a specific question, was how well are we leading, stewarding ourselves and or supporting others, um, particularly in humility and crisis in these areas? I mean, I just want to ask it again. How well are we personally, make it personal, leading or stewarding ourselves, um, really? And how well... How humble are we really serving others, um, particularly those in crisis? So if we're talking about body, soul and spirit, so physically. This stuff really spoke to me at a really personal level. I haven't had a chance to personally unpack this, but I, rest assured I'm going to. But physically exhausted and unwell. I want you to ask yourself, have you, are you? And you don't have to answer out aloud, but... Are you physically exhausted or unwell in, in any way, shape or form? Mentally foggy, so this is the area of the mind. I mean, are, you, is you, are your thought patterns clear and precise and um, do you never get muddled and, you know, how's that going? What's your thought like? Emotional inability. So when we're talking about our emotional body, and God created us this way, um, we're talking about our thoughts, our feelings and our actions and they lead one into the other. So it starts as a man thinks, so we, we start there and then that triggers our thoughts. What's our self-talk like? What are, we, what are we actually thinking? And then how does that then pass over into our feelings and when we walk into a room we think somebody's talking about us or I'm not saying that's the case, but where are we emotionally? Where are you emotionally? And then there's spiritually, which is relational. Um, are you connecting with God and others? Are you connecting? Ask self. Am I really connecting with God? Am I really connecting with others? Are you quiet and still before God and with other human beings at times? Is his still small voice directing you and leading you? Ask God, am I really in a position right now in my life where I'm, al I'm allowing you, I'm giving you full reign, full permission to speak into my life. I'm coming into that quiet place with you and I want you to lead and guide me and I give you permission to do that. How are we going with that? Pastor Andrew Lamechi shared 
um, a when life happened experience and it really impacted me. As I said when I first started, um, I've come out of a few different denominations. Um, I won't go into what they were, but I was with one for 14 years um, and then another for four really long periods of time. Um, and I hadn't come across this too much. It really touched me. Um, so he had a when life happened experience and we've all had them. I want you to think about your when life has happened moment. Maybe you're going through that now. But for him it was grief and loss. He shared two areas, big areas. One was the loss of his mother um, and I can't think what the other one was but it was a big event for him. Yes, his belief and, and oh, people leaving his church and, and oh, loss, yeah. Um, and what he did with that grief and loss, and I just think this is profound, um, and we do to some degree, but the degree to which he did it just blew me away. He sought God's leading for him and in that quiet place. And as a result of that, <laughs> he heard from God and God said, I want you, this is paraphrased, but I want you to take 12 months step right out. He's a senior pastor and his wife and their family, their kids. I want you to step right out of that, that platform and um, for 12 months. Hello? I mean, how do you step out of your job? How do you step out of your... I mean, when life happens. Um, and then the other amazing thing that happened was his team. So he's the senior pastor and as is his wife, but they had a team and the team, in humility, supported that decision. Not just because this, this pastor wanted it or needed it or... I mean, I think that reflects just a tremendous amount of humility on their part, full stop. Um, they seen his struggle and pain and they sought to understand and support him and his family. They didn't ignore it and they didn't distance themselves from it. And I've got the word serve there beside it. They didn't ignore it or distance themselves from it. Not because they could have or what have you, but because they didn't want to. They did not want to. They made a choice. We were asked um, to um, escort or take um, a pastor from conference to the Brisbane airport on our way home. And his name is Pastor Bin, and he's from Western Australia. And he's been involved uh, 10 plus years. He planted a church um, some 10 plus years ago. And, um, and it's a very large church now over in Western Australia. We just had this amazing connection with this Asian dude in the back of our car. We'd never met him before. But anyway, it was just incredible. But he told us a similar story. I'm like, what is this God? Um, he, took, he only took three months off. But even that, think about it. Three months. Wow, you know? Um, and healthy, that's healthy self-leadership. Healthy self-leadership. And his team also served him and others. He was not for one moment concerned about how his church was faring while he was away. He was on, up in Noosa. He'd come across from West Australia. He's in Noosa in his, in his swimmers and kicking back in the sand and just having a great old time. And um, so, yeah, healthy self-leadership. Um, and just to bring that down to where we are again, leading you. Have you taken your body, soul, spirit, and I mean all of your life struggles, and this doesn't happen right here, right now. 
but you get in that quiet place with God and you bring those struggles before him. You bring them before him. Have you taken them to Jesus? Has he directed you in a particular direction? You might not like the answer that he gave you. I can't tell you the amount of people that I've, young people in particular that I've prayed with, young adults, who really want a life's partner. They want to get married and we pray and, and God brings somebody along and then a few years later they're possibly getting divorced or looking at divorce and struggling because they don't like the person that God brought along their path. But if they only realise that that's God's perfect choice for them. And so, yeah... Has he directed you in a particular direction? What are you hearing from him? Are you relationally pur purposeful? So, you know, putting ourselves in proximity to others. Are you part of a connect group? Are you, you know, yeah. What is it? Um, how are you going relationally? Do you have people, someone about you who hears and sees your struggle and pain and generally seeks to understand and support you? They don't have an agenda. Like this team of these, these other leaders. Do you genuinely ask yourself, do I? Do I have this person or people in my life? They hear and they see your struggle or your pain and they generally seek to understand and support you. They don't have an agenda. I want to say to you that isolation is an enemy. If you feel like marching out that door, that's isolation, that's an enemy. Grab someone, anyone. Do you serve others in this way? I have to say I haven't always. Of course we're not talking here about using others so we sap the energy out of them, the life out of them. Okay, we're, we're talking about it's, it's a mutual arrangement and you're, you're leaning on one another in a really great way. In Christian circles we hear a lot about serving others. The story of the Good Samaritan in um, Luke 10 really is, illustrates that really well for us and we're all familiar with it. How many times do we just read over that? Serving others at their greatest point of need. This man's lying on the side of the road and everyone's passing him. And this dude who nobody wants to know because he's ethnically challenged and religiously challenged, whatever his issue is, um, he's different, I think is the point. But he chose to serve this, per this man at his greatest point of need. Um, and it's the deepest way in which we can truly serve others with the love of Jesus. That's humility right there. Um, nor is, um, so yeah, serving is not our perception of what or where others may need, but humility in crisis. Um, serving and humility is not judging, gossiping, being petty or seeking the approval of others. These are the enemies of love. His thoughts are not like ours, are they? I mean, they're just not. He doesn't, he doesn't think like we do. We may not always be able to help, and that's okay to help others, but we don't remove ourselves from the crisis. We seek the help of others and let Jesus lead and direct them and us. So that's self-care. And I want to finish with looking at um, um, the Lord's model for healthy leadership and humility, and Psalm 23 is right there. It's a metaphor of a shepherd's care and leadership for his sheep, and um, describes how he leads us with the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel and strength. And we can also read about that model in Isaiah 11. There can be nowhere he leads us that does not in the end result in that which will be good for us. He brings well-being and abundant prosperity. His rule, which is humble leadership, is just. So it's healthy. 
so that the strong might not oppress the weak and that even the orphan and the widow might be treated with justice. Jesus is a good shepherd, protector and caretaker. And I just, I wish you, you know, I know quite a few of your names, but just, just feel the Holy Spirit. You know, he knows each of your names. Say your name under your breath just now. He knows your name and he feeds and he leads you to green pastures. To green pastures. It's just so good. And still waters and restores our soul because he knows that each of his sheep must be personally led to be fed. His way, which is humility for our lives, it actually protects us. And we've been worshipping and singing those words with Jess and her team tonight. It protects us. I mean, it says in the psalm that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy, enemies. His way, his, that humble leadership protects us. He heals our wounded souls. So when the sheep, as a shepherd, when the sheep were injured or fell over, or, I don't know, or something or rather and ripped his skin, uh, ripped its skin, um, he had a, a horn of oil that he'd pull out and, and there'd be healing for that sheep. His goodness and mercy follows us. Staying close to the shepherd and good people is always the safe place to be. Now, I got this just from one session at that, that A2A conference. Um, and just to finish, for me personally, I personally am most happiest when I keep my ears and eyes on the Lord and let him lead me into places of provision. Um, and, and, and his relationship for me. I'm the most happiest, I was thinking about it, Prayerfully, I have been the most happiest in my life when I've allowed him to lead me into his place of provision and his relationships for my life. It's not about what everybody else wants for us, but what is God saying to you about those times and difficult struggles in your world, in your life, yeah. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Charlene. That's great. You know, that's so true what Charlene was saying. Our, like, I'm more interested in your soul than I am in your service in the church. Uh, I'm more interested in my soul than being your senior pastor. And, um, and you know, tonight, as Charlene has uh, so wonderfully spoken about, you know, if, if you're feeling like um, you're struggling with something, if you're struggling in your journey with God and you're, and you're struggling with reading your Bible or praying or those sort of things, let's look after your soul. Let's look after your soul tonight. And, uh, you know, we've just come through two years of um, a, a COVID mess, uh, pivoting our church from one way to another. And, um, and then, you know, like we've gone through floods and fires and uh, tsunamis and who knows what, two floods, you know. Um, and I, I must have to say, my head is full. My head is full. And I've come back from that conference going, I've got to work out a way to make my head not so full anymore. You know, I wish there was a trapdoor that you could just go, Bleh. and uh, But it's okay to be vulnerable and open and honest about those things because that's how um, our healthy soul can go out into a, a community and make a community healthy. And so tonight at the end, if you need prayer for your walk with God, if your soul is wounded, if you're not feeling like feeling it, um, then tonight we're going to pray and believe that God will start to restore you back to who you are called to be, not the ministry that you are, but the person that God wants you to be. Come on down, James Henderson. Yes. 
Even though James wasn't there at the conference, he was online. He said, don't you dare forget me. I need to get up there and speak. So, <laughs> I believe it was, if you don't have enough time for me. Yes, I think that was exactly right, James. Um, but we'll always have time for James because he's so awesome, isn't he? No, that's not good enough. He's so awesome. Come on. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's not. Can I speak now? I'll better put this down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I <laughs> I, I took one of those lovely tests last weekend thinking I was coming out of isolation and turns out I wasn't. So that was um, a bit of a, an unfortunate turn of events. So, but um, I've enjoyed, I think it's five years we've been in A2A church and from the very first, I was, I was recalling to Jess, I think it was today or yesterday, the very first conference that we went to where we didn't know what A2A was. We'd been in A2A church for about two months. The only connection we had to A2A was Chris knew Phil Mutzelberg, who used to be the president of A2A 20 years ago. You know, like, we, we, we liked their ethos. We liked, it seems pretty good. They seem like a pretty cool group of people. They want to be a movement, not a denomination, and their focus was really great. But going to that conference... I enjoy it so much because of what they bring and they, 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 they look at church sideways. They look at church not from the way. Their, their ethos is so long as the local pastor is healthy, the church is going to be healthy. Like that's their ethos and that's where all this is coming out. So it's, we're, in, we're, like, we're in serious good hands, like seriously. Um, so yeah, so I was online and I'm glad, I'm so stoked that streaming is a thing now because I, I watched every single session and it's, it's up on YouTube now so I'd recommend people, you know, if, if you've got a good, it's, it's meaty so maybe put it in the background rather than just sort of sit there watch it because it's, it's solid. Um, but my, my inspiration actually came out of the, um, the, first, the second half of the first session on the Tuesday night with Julia Abel. Um, now, uh, Tuesday night, whatever night it was, I can't remember. Um, and her, her take, she used to be part, her and her husband Joel used to be part of a massive church. They, they used to be part of Hillsong years ago. Um, and she gave a story about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when they were, um, when she was actually sent on a mission, a reconnaissance mission from the church over to the American megachurches to see how they do kids' ministry. So it was, uh, she was part of a big thriving church, but they wanted to do kids ministry better. So they sent her and a, and a team over to sort of just scope out these churches. And obviously they didn't just like cruise in and not tell them. It was an, it was an arranged thing. But um, she was saying, she was giving um, uh, this story where she was going through and she was going through all these, these massive churches. And if you, you know, if you're old enough, you recognize the names, but um, um, and, but I'm going to start with Ephesians 4.16 because that sets it up. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So she was part of the kids' ministry doing, going and doing their work, trying to do better at their work. And she went on this tour and, and she said she, she, she didn't often get into the, the adult church, but, but one day she did. And she was sitting in there and, and she recounted how she basically, because she was like the pro from Australia, just sort of gleaning what they can to just to tighten us up a bit. Because like we've got it all pretty good, but we just need to tighten things up. And um, she said she's sitting in this, in the, 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 the big people church, and the, the worship leader got up, just, just sauntered up onto the stage. 
They didn't, he didn't do that right. They didn't do an inspirational video and then bam into the worship. They didn't, they didn't do all those good things, all the, all the right things. She didn't do it. But she said just before it was starting, she was just overcome. What's going on? What's going on? Just getting emotional. And she realized that the Holy Spirit was moving. And here's the line that got me. The same God that is in the mega churches of America is the same God that is here with us right today. That, it's the same God. Like we, we go and like I'm, I lead the tech here. I, I lead the production. I'm, I'm constantly looking at those churches for what gear do they use? What ethos do they use? What, what, what thing do they do? How did they do this transition? How did they, 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 they do that? How did they move from this to that? Because I look at, you know, I'm, I'm looking for that, that experience. I'm looking to, to make our thing a bit better, to, to make our thing connect out online. But the purpose of all of that is that the same God who does all of that over there is the same God in this house right here. And that is just incredible. Just finishing up, and it's fascinating because in the last few weeks... This, these set of verses have come up in numerous conversations at home group and things like, and um, a few conversations. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uniqueness is one of A2A's cultural distinctives. Uniqueness is one of our core values in this church. There is so much more, but what I want to leave you with is that you can know that God is not a cookie-cutter God, making cookie-cutter Christians in a one-size-fits-all world. God is a unique, relational God, drawing us in to be unique, individual followers, to reach individuals in His world in wonderfully unique ways. That was conference. Awesome stuff, James. Yeah. Same God's here. Same God's here. That's awesome. Come on down, Bob. This is Charlene's husband, Bob, and uh, he's going to share his perspective of conference as well. Come on down. Thanks, Bob. See if I can read this from down there. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Bob, Charlene's husband. So yes, so this conference came at a great time. Um, I've been a Christian for oh, probably around 30 years or so now. And best part of that, I've done all sorts of ministry at different levels for the most part of it. There's not too much I haven't been involved in. But for the last 10 years or so, it's been really difficult, really dry. There's been a lot of different stuff going on. I won't go into all of that, what it was. But it led me to that place which a couple of users alluded to, you know, difficulty praying. Difficulty spending time with God. Um, and you know when you're out of sync because little things begin to frustrate you. Um, your tolerance levels sort of like drop a little bit. Um, well, you know, I felt drained, beginning, beginning to wonder whether I could be much used to God. You know, is this sort of like, you know, is this it, God? Okay, I'm getting close to retirement age. Is it time to sort of like pack everything up? Then I keep on reminding myself every now and again, hang on a minute, Holy Spirit's ageless, I've got time. <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't bother me so much. So, you know, I become judgmental, 
and all those sorts of things. And that wasn't just at the workplace or with other people, it was also at home. Sorry, sweetheart. And every now and again, things wouldn't go too well. And that would be me, and I knew I wasn't in a good place. And so we were talking, and I was saying, look, we really need a bit of a break. You know, and so we, we organised to have a week off around Easter. And I did everything I could to try and get this week's off at Easter time. No, nope, can't get that week, can't get that week. I could only get this week, this week here. That was the only one that was allowed. So, okay, we'll take that week, no dramas. Then we were talking, and I said, you know, it'd be really good to go to a conference. It'd be really good to be able to go to a conference. So we thought, let's Google it. Doesn't matter where it is in Australia. If we find a conference, we'll go to it, just to get refreshed. So we started Googling, looked all over the place, couldn't find anything. Then suddenly, A2A comes up. And it's like, no, couldn't be. So, but yes, A2A come up. And then we thought, can't really, didn't really feel comfortable inviting ourselves to it. How are we going to get invited to it? Anyway, it just happened to be that we were having a chat with Graham and Simon one morning. And Simon, I mean, sorry, Graham jumps up and says, would you like to come to the conference? And we were like, Yes. <laughs> so we knew God wanted us there. We needed to be there. And I must say, I've come back and I'm so refreshed. And just going through all of that, um, you know, there were many distinctives at the conference. But the one that spoke to me personally, most of it was Spirit Empowered Mission by Joel Abel, Julie's husband. Um, Joel leads a, uh, a global organisation called Convoy of Hope that responds to natural disasters with resources and practical assistance. They're currently heavily involved in Lismore, helping out down there with all that sort of stuff. But I, I just love Joel's heart. I remember when I first got saved and God was speaking to me about going out to the highways and byways and bringing in the lost and the poor and the, and the homeless and all those sorts of things. And, and I did all that. Went out and did all those things. Visit the sick, go and visit people in prison, um, all those sorts of things. And Joel's heart just reminded me of where I was at. <laughs> and I felt like I used to be there and I so wanted to get back there again. And just that time at the conference under these, those ministries, I feel like, yeah, I've achieved that. And Joel spoke largely from, uh, from Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19. And he's speaking of Jesus. He said, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Why was the Spirit of the Lord upon him? Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon us? Because if you're saved, if you're a Christian here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's in you, living with you. And the same reasoning that Jesus had it is the same reasoning we have it, to preach the gospel to the poor. The fact that their sins have been forgiven and they now have a place in eternity with Christ. You know, um, the healing the brokenhearted, looking after other people's emotions, bringing them healing, to bring liberty to the captives. Have a look at our community. You know, the drugs, the alcohol, captives, 
people in the in poverty, homelessness, oh my goodness, um, domestic violence, people living in relationships that they don't want, they feel trapped in, so much of it. But that's to proclaim liberty, uh, proclaim sight to the blind. That's not just, we're talking about physical sight, we're talking about people where I work, I help people that are uh, listed with Centrelink as having a disability and they have all these difficult um, barriers, a lot of them have mental health issues. And there's so much confusion, so much blindness in that sense. And you've got to sit there trying to make some sense out of a, out of a confusing world. It's really, really tough. And freedom to the oppressed. One of the things that Jesus did, it says in Acts, is that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And that's what our, our mandate is. If we're a Christian, as I said before, then the Spirit of the Lord is also upon us. I just spoke of some of the, Joel also spoke of some of the things that may hinder us from reaching the lost, such as, you know, we all have different, um, I guess, um, nature, different character, that type of thing. So some of us don't feel like we're good enough. You know, we might sit there and think, oh, gosh, if I was just like Graham. You know, I'd be out there preaching the gospel, healing the sick, you know. Or if I was just like Amanda, man, can she give you a, a word in season, you know, it's really cool. But if I was just like that, maybe I'd be, I'd be able to do it all a bit better. But no, God's called you as you are, called you as you are, for your purpose, called you to reach your world. You know, you can't reach who Graham and Amanda can reach, and Graham and Amanda can't reach who you can reach. They don't have the neighbours that you have. They don't have the work colleagues that you have. They don't have the friends that you have. They don't have, they don't have the relations, the, the, your family that you guys have. And we're called to reach them with the love of Jesus. All of us. So the application for me out of all of that, you know, I had such a great time at conference. As I was just saying, we've all got neighbours, friends, workmates, family that may be going through a difficult time, or maybe in that category of being poor, vulnerable, or marginalized, can I encourage you to become alongside them and start up a conversation? Maybe offer to even pray for them. We've got a neighbor, um, won't go into his name, but um, he's come out of Afghanistan. He's a war vet, and he's come out of Afghanistan. He's only a youngish fellow, but he's done 10, 11 years in the, in the army. And he's, he's um, been given a medical discharge. So, but in that part of that process, not only has he medical discharge from the army, his wife has left him for somebody else, and he's now in quite a bitter custody battle with the kids. He's got three young kids. And so we have managed to, I've had these chats across the fence. I've been across to help him a couple of times with a couple of things, but in that, we've been having these conversations. And while we're not there yet, I'd like to believe that at some stage we will. Um, we'll talk about work colleagues. I've got a, a lady that I work with that's been come out of DV and she's very angry and, and bitter about it all. You know, she does her job really well, but she's come out of this environment. And I've been talking to her. I've introduced her to Charlene and we've been praying for her and she's aware of all of this. And I know one day we're going to see her here in this church. The <laughs> and and family. My sister, Margaret, um, she passed away last year tragically. She had a, she had a stroke 
um, passed away. But not long before that, I managed to spend some time with her because she was going through a really hard time with her health and things weren't going so well with her and her and her hubby. Um, but, but, when I, but when I was talking with her and praying with her, she knows I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian all that time, to um, the shock of the family at the time. But, uh, but I managed to lead her in, in, a, in the salvation prayer to Christ. And uh, so I know where she is today. So you just don't know. I encourage you. You all have family. You all have friends. You all have workmates um, or whatever. So I just encourage us all to reach out uh, with spirit-empowered mission. Amen. Thanks, Bob. That's awesome. Thank you, Bob. Look, there's so many other people who are going to talk. We're going to get Chris and Gordon and a few others, but we'll get them up over the next couple of weeks to share about those things as well because we could go on for hours um, about things. But, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like for me, the most important thing is I don't want to just be a cookie-cutter church. I don't want to be just the church that comes and meets on a Sunday and um, we sing three hymns, take up an offering, have communion, have a 30-minute message and off we go. You know, I, I want to be the church that's um, in the community doing stuff. I want to be on the front line of seeing people's lives changed. I want to see mess in our church. I want to see children running around. I don't mind mess. I don't mind seeing all those things happening all around us. I don't mind that because that means that we have life going on all around us, and um, which is awesome. But one of the great things I, I got from conference, and um, I'm not going to speak for long, is um, what do we just keep doing in church that holds us back? What, what is the thing that we're doing at Powerhouse Church that we've always done, but it just holds us back? And, you know, we've had the opportunity to have the cafe come into um, the, um, the foyer of the church. So they're set up in the foyer of the church. You know, in some places, the foyer is the sacred ground. Like, how dare we, um, we take away from the entrance of our church? But we're being innovative at the present moment. Um, and we're building into people's lives and we're doing things. Um, what are we holding on to that's holding us back? And I, I want to look at that over the next little while with Simon and our leadership team and go, what are we holding on to that we need to just get rid of um, so that we can move forward? You know, um, one of the other things that I um, um, looked at, that I thought about our, all of our souls, you know, I, I want to care about people. I don't care about ministry. Um, I care about people. And I want to see your heart strong. I want to see you restored. I want to see you at the A to A conference next year getting a revelation from God like Bob did and, um, and getting touched in, in that way. But, you know, there was this story, and I'll finish with this, and then the band will play, and if you need prayer, you can come forward. Um, but on the last session, one of the, the guys, John O'Neill, he talked about um, going in. He had a, a worked in the prison, and uh, one of the guys that he worked with in this prison's name was Dorsey. Um, a big tall guy and he thought when he first met him he was uh, called Dorsey because he was as high as the door but no he wasn't, he was thick as a doorpost and, um, and uh, you know and, um, and he was one of those guys that they feel he was in prison because um, he was the fool guy for all of the guys and he was the one that got caught because he was too stupid to get away 
and they said he was a lovely guy, a lovely young fella, and um, and Jonathan worked with him, and um, and all of those things, and. Uh, about a week before he was to come out of prison, he started to get ill, but couldn't really tell anybody what was wrong with him. And they thought well, he's getting released; he'll be able to get the help that he needs when he, you know. And Jonathan was there with the team to celebrate Dorsey coming out of prison, and he and he came out of prison. And three days later, he died. Um, sounds like he might have been 20, um, a young man, anyway. And Jonathan's question to us was, where, where's, where was the church? Where were we for Dorsey? Where were we as a church looking out for those people who are marginalised, who are broken, who are hurting in our community? Are our souls too broken ourselves to be able to go out into the community and do something? Or are we too busy doing religiosity to be doing the things that we need to do? What if we just decided one Sunday night just to go and not have church? Oh, no, we can't do that because we wouldn't be able to take up the offering and the church would go broke. Well, what if we just decided not to have church one Sunday night and we decided to just go and have a big picnic in the park and, and, and do something completely different? What would be wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing would be wrong with that. But we don't do it because we've got our religious practices. No, I'm not saying we have to change everything and change it every week, but let's be prepared as a church to say, what can we do for the Dorseys in our community? What can we do for those who are hurting in our community? What can we do um, for those people who need help? Are we too stuck in our religious ways to be any good in our community? Because lots of churches are open on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and they're closed all week. I sort of want to be open all week and closed on Sunday. <laughs> closed on Sunday because we're out there doing it. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying let's be stupid about it, but let's ask God what he wants. Let's be out there doing what God wants in our community. But I think the most important thing for each one of us, is if we're going to, I don't know, if I said to you, who's with me on running a marathon tonight? Who's going to run with me to Harvey Bay? Who would be able to run with me to Harvey Bay? I'm putting my hand there because I know I couldn't. Um, there's no way no one. We're not letting Jess run because we'll get to um, St. Helens and have to deliver a baby. And, um, but probably none of us could run to Harvey Bay. But my point is that are our souls healthy enough that we can go out and run a marathon in our community and be there for the people that need us? And I came home realising that while my head is so full and my soul is a little bit dry, that I'm needing to refix all that up so that I can be even more effective to those people all around me. And, and I'm not ashamed to say that out loud because, hey, we're a family. And, you know, we're, 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 you know, it's just been a big couple of years. I can guarantee all of you have got stuff going on in your world as well. If we're honest enough to talk about it, and I want to be the church that actually loves the people who get hurt. I want to be the church that loves the people that get hurt. Not when you come out the front and go, oh, I haven't read my Bible for a week and I'm struggling to pray and I've had really bad thoughts. And go, get out of here and get your life right. And then come back to church when you've got having everything sorted. I want to say, no, come, let us as a leadership serve you and love you and embrace you and pray for you and ring you up and go, how's it going? What can we do to help? Yeah. Am I the only one on that journey by myself or are you coming with me? 
I think that's what the church that I want to be. That's the church that I want to be. A church that serves each other and serves our community is not scared to get real.